Chapter Seventeen of Oscar Wilde: The Story of an Unhappy Friendship by Robert Sherard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. After my friend's definite ruin had been consummated, it seemed to me, though still a young man in the full tide of success, that my life was finished. I had received from fate one of those crushing blows, under the first impact of which one hopes not to recover. My mental and moral condition resembled those of the unhappy youth in that pitiful story of poor Guy de Maupassant, Garçon, un boc. I had no heart for my work, although at last, after years of struggle, I had descended from the seventh-floor garret in the Rue de Castiglione, where my literary career commenced, to the opulence of a boulevard deuxième, with a country house for relaxation, and an income much exceeding the figure that Sir Walter Besant fixed as the tangible proof of professional success. I could live in Paris no longer. I felt that I ought to be in the country where my friend was, so as to be near him, and able to do anything on his behalf that might present itself to be done. So, after completing with Alphonse Daudet the outline of our book, I abandoned my engagements in Paris and returned to England, making a temporary home in a suburb where I was within easy distance of Wandsworth Jail, where Oscar Wilde was confined. And here, in a dazed condition, I waited for the first opportunity of visiting him. This occurred in August, when he became entitled to his first quarterly visit. The ticket which was sent me from the prison would have admitted another visitor. But though I wrote to different friends of his, I could find nobody to accompany me. Everybody was unfortunately engaged, but I was charged with many kind messages. I have no distinct recollection of that painful interview, except of the nerve shock that the rattle of the warder's keys and the clang of iron bars produced upon me and for the subject on which we talked i have to refer to an evening paper published at the time whose reporter accosted me as i was leaving the prison the convict appeared well runs the report and was in fair spirits and stated that he was now entitled to read but was only allowed one book a week which for an omnivorous reader was insufficient he had lately been reading pater and newman mr sherard added with regard to wilde I was much struck by his courage and resignation, though his punishment weighs terribly upon him. It appears then that our conversation went at once to literature, the one subject of our common interest. We were in a vaulted room which was like the prison of a transpontine melodrama, and we were separated by a double row of stout iron bars. In the passage between stood a warder, who kept his eyes fixed on a noisy clock which hurried the spare allowance of minutes along. We both clung to the iron bars, and both for support. I noticed that his hands were disfigured, and that his nails were broken and bleeding, also that his head and face were untidy with growth of hair. And that is all that I noticed, for I looked at his face all the time, and if he was in some hideous uniform, I did not see it. He was greatly depressed, and at one time had tears in his eyes. I affected a cheerfulness which I was far from feeling, and I fancy that I managed to comfort him a little, for I remember that I won a laugh from him in the end. And just then the busy clock hiccuped out my congé, and I had to stagger away. The visiting room is so badly constructed that many things said in it between prisoners and their friends remain inaudible, 
i could not help thinking of what must be the feelings of people who pay a farewell visit in that room to a man under sentence of death and who afterwards recall the fact that he said many things which they could not hear and may now never know my visit took place on august twenty sixth eighteen ninety five and in my papers i find a letter from the home office which shows me that i was busying myself in my coma on his behalf home office whitehall s w tenth september eighteen ninety five dear sir i am desired by sir matthew ridley with reference to your letter to mr blank requesting permission to visit mr oscar wilde to inform you that if mr wilde is due for a visit and desires to see you an order would be sent if however you wish for one exceptional visit it would be advisable for you to write here stating the nature of the matters of most urgent importance which you say you wish to communicate to him the matters as i wrote to the home secretary were the conditions under which a reconciliation could be effected between him and his poor wife divorce proceedings were then being urged upon her and i felt that if she abandoned him his ruin would indeed be complete i had written to her repeatedly and in the end had induced her to pardon him and to promise to visit him in prison it had been a matter of great difficulty but all the trouble i had taken was amply rewarded by the following note received some days after i had secured a fresh order to visit the jail dear mr sherard your letter has only this moment reached me but i came over to london last evening in the hope of getting the permission to go to wandsworth and found it waiting here for me i have written to the governor and i expect to see oscar some time to-morrow so i hope you will see him on monday i am not seeing any one at all but if you care to come here on tuesday and climb many flights of stairs should be very glad to see you very sincerely yours constance wilde p s i don't want anyone to know that i am in london on the following day i received a second letter from her it showed me that i had not mistaken the poor girl's beautiful heart my dear mr sherard it was indeed awful more so than i had any conception it could be i could not see him and i could not touch him and i scarcely spoke come and see me before you go to him on monday at any time after two i can see you when i go again i am to get at the home secretary through mr blank and try and get a room to see him in and touch him again he has been mad the last three years and he says that if he saw blank he would kill him so he had better keep away and be satisfied with having marred a fine life few people can boast of so much i thank you for your kindness to a fallen friend you are kind and gentle to him and you are i think the only person he can bear to see yours most truly constance wilde i hurried to see her and from the long conversation i had with her i learned that her heart was altogether with him still and that once his punishment was over he would find a home with her and his children i was much affected as i left she showed like an angel an angel of beauty and of goodness in the horrid night that hemmed me in i was never to see her again and as it came to pass all my effort for his happiness and hers was to remain sterile my order from the home office entitled me to a long interview in one of the prison offices i heard many uncomplimentary remarks about myself from the warders outside the waiting-room at the gate 
the gist of which was that people ought not to interest themselves in prisoners but devise means for keeping their own persons out of jail we had a long and pleasant talk together though a warder sat with his eyes glued on my hands lest i should pass aught of contraband i found my friend greatly cheered by his wife's visit and the prospect of the new life after his release we stayed together an hour and naturally drifted on to literature but this topic seemed subversive to the warder and he interrupted the conversation by saying that if we had finished discussing business the interview must be held to be terminated whereupon to his great horror i put my arms around my friend and pressed him to my bosom and so departed whilst i had been working to bring the unhappy husband and wife together i had also been busy in another direction on his behalf i had heard from paris that one of his friends had written an article on the subject of his aberration which i understood was to be an apology for and a glorification of the greek movement i knew that the publication of such an article would be disastrous to his interests and that one immediate result would be that his wife's new-won amity would be irrevocably alienated i accordingly used the influence i possessed in literary circles in paris to prevent the publication of the article my friends acted energetically and the article which was already in type was withdrawn a few days later i received from naples from the author a letter from which i extract the following passage the enclosed letter explains itself i have written withdrawing the article you no doubt mean what you do for the best and you were quite justified in writing to me personally to ask me not to publish the article though you might have worded your letter differently and less violently with equal effect you will allow that immediately on receiving your letter i wrote by return of post telling you that as you thought what you did i should withdraw the article this fact should i think convince you that you ought not to have written as you apparently did to the editor of the review asking him to suppress my article such conduct on your part was exceedingly impertinent and in the worst possible taste as to the wisdom of my originally intended course i still adhere to my own opinion and oscar shall decide the matter when he comes out and reads the manuscript i will now make one request of you and that is to say nothing whatever about this matter to oscar i have consented at your request to withdraw my article and in return you can do this for me no possible good can be done by worrying oscar about it and you are certainly not in a position to give any true and impartial account of the real scope and purport of my article Unquote. the same friend wrote to me later when it had become apparent that my efforts were tending to reconcile oscar wilde definitely to his wife and insomuch to separate him from former associates to say that if by any words of mine wilde's friendship were to be lost to him in the future he would shoot me quote, like a dog in the meanwhile other friends had been busy in endeavouring to secure his financial position and when he became due for a visit in november the ticket was sent to them so that they might discuss business matters with him but in compensation he obtained special permission from the governor to write me a long letter it was a great consolation to me for its tone proved that he was coming well through his terrible ordeal end of chapter seventeen